It was a slow start for Texas Tech on Saturday against TCU, but they were able to come from behind and win in the second half, 82 to 69. I'll break down how it happened and look, look at what it means going forward in today's episode of Locked On Texas Tech. Welcome to Locked On Texas Tech, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I'm Emery Lida, longtime Texas Tech analyst and writer, going solo today as Ryan's wrapping up the Super Bowl festivities. And today I'm recapping the, the Texas Tech victory over TCU in basketball, an 82-69 victory, a critical one for the Red Raiders as they look to wash out the bad taste of the Oklahoma loss. But first... Before we get into all of that, today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. But first off, talking about the TCU game, coming off of a bad loss to Oklahoma, it was really critical to make sure that you got a win today. Getting, making sure that took advantage of Texas losing to Baylor earlier on in the day. And for Tech, this was a must-have game. And in the first half, it didn't look good. The TCU really took a lot of what Oklahoma did from beyond the three-point line, made, I believe, it was six of their first 11 three-point shots in the first half, and at one point led by as many as 13. Damian Ball was really hitting on all cylinders. You had Mike Miles returning to the lineup after two games missed for TCU. Everything seemed to be going right for the Horn, Horn Frogs, including a Micah Peavy three-pointer, his first ever Big 12-3 after, I believe, 29 straight games without hitting one. Really, I mean, this was a nightmarish start for Tech. And then to couple it all off, you ended up having Kevin McCullough go down with what looked like a serious injury right before half, and Tech was still trailing. But thankfully, as the half went on, they managed to be able to find a little bit of a spark offensively. TJ Shannon got things going. You had some good finishes by Bryson Williams, and Tech was able to chip into the lead. Well, TCU to a relatively modest end of the first half. And was, they were only down by three going to halftime, 40 to 37. And then, man, the second half, everything just went right for Tech. Offensively, Bryson Williams got going early. TJ Shannon, again, able to drive well, finish well in transition, knock down another three. On the defensive side of things, you really kept TCU in check. They went basically almost 13 minutes without a field goal from one of their perimeter players. Eddie Lampkin was the only source of offense they could have in the second half. And man, Tech's defense just wrecked havoc on the ball handlers throughout the second half. But especially early on, TCU did a really good job of keeping control of the ball in the first half. But they ended the game with 20 turnovers, 13 of which came from Tech's steals. And when you look at this game as a whole, I think that's what the difference ended up being. Tech was able to get out in transition, which sparked their offense. And then once things got going in the transition, the half-court offense just really came alive. And I think you have to be... Very pleased with how, how that happened. Scoring 45 points in the second half and really the first 10 minutes scoring, I believe it was 31 points. That's something that you rarely see against big 12 level play. So we mentioned in the pregame that this felt like it would be a different type of game to pass TCU games where it was really offensive. And in this case, we were actually wrong because it ended up being very similar in the sense that Tech was able to score over 80. Again, I believe this is the fifth home win in the last six years that Tech has done that where they've scored 80 or more against TCU, it's either four or five, but the point remains, this is a game that Tech has really been able to have offensive success, and that was no different. I'll break down some of the players that really made an impact in a few minutes, but looking on TCU side of things, this is a team that athletically was able to match up with Tech, but 
their lack of ball handling and lack of consistent shooting really kind of hurt them in the end. And then to go along with that defensively, I think they just started to get into foul trouble, started kind of making mental lapses. And you can't win against this tech team at home when that's going on. But I mean, at the end of the day, this is a really big win for Tech. You end up winning your eighth conference game, bounce back from a loss to Oklahoma. Now you've got two games against Texas and Baylor, which we'll touch on in a little bit coming up this upcoming week. But really, everything's still to play for in the conference. You're back in sole possession of third place. You've got Baylor and Kansas not too far ahead. Still on the three line for the tournament. Could be anywhere from a two to maybe a four seed. So it's all looking up. But as a whole, this was a really good win to have. Obviously, Kevin McCullough's status is still up in the air going forward. But to be able to fight back from what was an awful start after an awful game last time and still to deliver a win was really exceptional. And I think that it sets the tone for going forward. But it couldn't have been done without some great individual efforts. And I'll talk about that next. But first, we have a message from our sponsors. Football might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next field fired coach is going to land, betonline.net is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. And it's not just about basketball. BetOnline.net is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Winter Olympics coverage and information going on right now. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online, where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. We are available on all platforms. And we're going to be talking about the individual efforts of guys such as TJ Shannon in this game against TCU and what a performance it was for him. For starters, after the knee injury last week, against West Virginia there are questions about if he was going to be back to full strength and he proved everyone wrong he ended up playing 21 28 minutes in this game scoring 20 points second time he's gone over 20 points in conference play this season and he did show taking only nine shots and I think what I like the most about his performance in this one was just his ability to get to the rim I mean he was not settling in this game I think that's something we've seen some more of in recent games early on in conference season as he was returning from his back injury he kind of struggled to get to the rim looked like he was settling for a lot of jump shots and while we did hit two threes in this game so much of his effort was due was done through being able to get to the rim effectively get to the free throw line and really just create havoc by being a good ball handler and driving to the rim but beyond that his ability to find open guys was really impressive in this game as well and I know we only ended up with two assists I believe but when you look at his overall passing, and especially in the first half, he had a lot of potential assists and a lot of good passes that just didn't end up going his way. And I think that that's something you can look at as a positive going forward, because if TJ is able to develop his playmaking and continue to develop as a ball handler, that really bodes well for you going forward. And as always with Shannon, his ability to play defense is really impressive, really disruptive off the ball. Again, he had a free safety style steal, which we haven't really seen from him in a while, but it was very welcome. And again, his off-ball defense is impressive. His on-ball defense continued to be good. Really, just whenever they would have him on the wings, he was able to kind of limit their ability to drive to the rim. And again, that's just some of what he can provide. He got a little bit banged up late in the game trying a dump, dunk attempt over Lampkin that was really ambitious, but still an outstanding game by Shannon. And for me, he was easily the player of the game. I think that the efficiency he had offensively was really impressive, even when the shots weren't going in for him, even when he wasn't taking them, he was still finding a way to be a creative ball handler. And I think 
in the first half, he was the only reason Tech was really all that close in the game. And in the second half, he made a huge difference. But beyond Shannon, a couple more guys I'd like to highlight. You had Bryson Williams, who had a great individual effort, ended up with 16, most of that damage coming in the second half. And really, TCU played a different strategy defensively than what Oklahoma did. And I know I saw in the first half a lot of people on Twitter or even the announcers were talking about how the game plan was very similar in this one. But I think offensively that might have been true, but defensively for TCU, they played Will Williams really really one-on-one for a lot of the game. They did do some rotational stuff, but for the most part, what they were really relying on was more of having their guards and wings disrupt the entry passes more and just keeping keeping the passes from being easy for Tech players to make. And Tech wasn't really able to get Williams in the short roll effectively, and so that kind of limited his production in the first half. But in the second half, man, those first couple minutes, he really went off offensively, got a couple great drives, obviously had a nice find from DJ Shannon to get a dunk. And, I mean... Williams has been consistent all conference season. This was no different. Really kind of a bounce back game for him after the rough showing against Oklahoma. I mean, the only negative is he did struggle a little bit with turnovers. Again, he had two turnovers, no assists. But for a guy who wasn't being doubled as much this time, I didn't really expect him to play as much as a playmaker. And so for him to have that 16-point outing in spite of a rough start where they really weren't able to find him, that just speaks to his ability as a consistent score. And I think that's something that you can continue to rely on going forward because Bryson Williams has been your most consistent player in conference play, arguably your best player. And I think in this game, TJ was clearly better, but as a whole, I mean, you have to be intrigued by how Bryson Williams has been able to string together these performances. Another guy that I think was able to string together another really nice performance that I wanted to talk about was Marcus Santos Silva. And the stat sheets don't really show a lot. Obviously he ended up with nine points, only had, one or two he had two steals but only had two rebounds and I think that's one of the things that maybe you expected that a little bit more but his inside presence and being able to seal off defenders was really impressive in the second half he got a really nice finish from an assist from Daniel Bacho as well as one from Clarence Sedoni and when Tech was able to get going Santos Silva was really key offensively but for me it was his defense his ability to switch was a really great contrast to what we saw in the first half where TCU was really able to exploit the switches. And so Santos Silva's defensive effort continued to be really good. And I think that that was one of the real low key things that kind of of ended up flipping the game around for Tech and ended up making it more manageable for them to pull away was just his ability to switch onto the guards. And for Santos Silva, I mean, this continues as a nice trend. He's been great on the defensive end dating back to the start of conference play. Certainly, he's had some nice offensive outputs as well. I think the Oklahoma game, he struggled a little bit with efficiency. But in this one, being able to put up nine points against TCU in only 13 minutes of action was very impressive. Clarence Sedoni, I think, deserves another shout as well. He didn't play much in the first half. I thought it was a little bit of a mistake personally. But in the second half, he got a lot more run with McCuller going down. And for Sedoni, being able to get those minutes as a ball handler, the stats won't really jump out at you. He only ended up with five points. He only had one assist, one steal, one rebound. But his ability to play within himself in this game was really overlooked. I feel like he was able to run within the offense. He generated good looks. He moved pretty well off the ball, which is something we've kind of seen more of from him over the course of the season. And really without McCuller, that's what you needed from him. You knew that guys like TJ were going to kind of take over the offense. But just having Adoni's presence out there offensively, another playmaker you can kind of rely on. And then defensively, his intensity is always going to be there. And perimeter defense, making sure guys like Mike Miles don't get easy shots. And he didn't pick up any sort of foul that could have been considered close to a technical. So 
another nice night from Nadolny. One more guy that I do want to look at, and I think this is going to be kind of important, is going to be Davion Warren. I feel like his ability to get to the rim was maybe overlooked a little bit. He had a couple of nice, real nice defensive possessions in this one as well. And just his ability to defend off ball. I feel like it's something that maybe got overlooked on my end. I didn't really anticipate him having that kind of effort in this one in particular. But I think in the second half in general, that's another thing that was critical for Tech's comeback was just Warren's ability to defend, to defend off the ball. And then you start getting into other guys. I think Adonis, I think Adonis Arms had a pretty nice game, just being able to be a consistent scorer, didn't do too much defensively. But as a whole, the one guy that I've kind of avoided talking about is Kevin McCullough. And I think he started the game well. They ran him more off-ball early on in the game, and it seemed to free him up more for some open looks. But obviously the injury right after a three-point shot where he ended up getting tangled up with Jamie Dixon's foot I think it was a fluke accident. I think people, there's reasons to dislike Jamie Dixon, but I don't think that him trying to intentionally Kevin, injure Kevin McCuller is one of them. So for me, it was just a fluke accident. Hopefully McCuller is all right. X-rays are reportedly negative. He seems optimistic that he'll be back sooner rather than later, but certainly you never want to see a guy go down in pain like that. And McCuller is going to be critical, even though Tech managed to rally back and win the game without him. You still need his presence. His defensive ability can be really important. And he's kind of a steadier. Offensively, he can play a variety of different roles. I was intrigued by how they used him off ball in this game. I think that it's kind of a change of pace from seeing him as more of a ball handler, but he can certainly still play as a primary ball handler. So we'll see how that ends up. Certainly, I want to see McCuller back and healthy sooner rather than later because he's going to be vital. But just glad that this wasn't too bad. And I think people need to lay off of the Jamie Dixon hate because while I understand why people don't like him as a coach, I don't think he intended anything because a lot of coaches stand out in that area. And I think some of it's just kind of the natural constraints of a college basketball arena. You have the sidelines that are so close to the field of play. You're so close to the players. And so the player backs up like that and a coach is looking elsewhere. Those sorts of accidents are bound to happen eventually. And unfortunately in this case, it was McCuller that had to take the brunt of the hit. But regardless, ultimately, you had a lot of really good performances across the board in this one. And I think that it's important going forward. I'm going to take a look at what Tech can do in the next week to really establish themselves as a front runner in the Big 12. But first, I've got a message from our sponsors. This is the time of year that I've pretty much given up on most all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. This year, I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right. And that's thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really even a resolution because I actually get, enjoy getting to eat Built Bars. Have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they're a treat. Everyone loves treats and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. You've got the young, yummy cinnamon and churro, You've got the coconut marshmallow, the banana cream pie. It's all so good. Those are going to be your new favorite. All Built Bars are built are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, including puffs. And yes, 100% real chocolate. They're low calorie, high protein. They replace your favorite candy bars, and they're just simply better. A typical candy bar can be anywhere from two to 300 calories. Built Bars nowhere near as much as that. So go to built.com and scroll down on the macros chart. You'll be simply blown away. High protein, low calories, high fiber, low carbs. Most built bars contain 130 calories, four grams of sugar, 
four net carbs, and most importantly, 17 grams of protein. That is way more efficient than a candy bar. And look at all the flavors. They've got mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond. And new for this month, they've got white chocolate cookies and cream. They are all delicious, and new flavors are always coming out all of the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It'll be delicious, and I can guarantee you that it'll be good for you. At Built Bar, they are all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how they do it, but they manage to pull it off every single time. So go to Built.com, use promo code LOCK15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. So Texas Tech managed to clear TCU. You look at the last three games since the Texas game, managed to go two and one in that stretch, the lone loss being to Oklahoma. They now sit a game back of Baylor, two games back of Kansas, and one game ahead of Texas. Everyone else in the conference, for the sake of the conference title race, is more or less irrelevant to Tech. But you're going to get a chance to play against a team like Texas, like Baylor this week, because you've got Baylor at home on Wednesday, and then you've got Texas on the road on Saturday. Those are two of the top four teams in the Big 12. Both games that you won the first time around and both games that are going to be crucially important. A win in both of them, you're probably looking at a top eight team nationally. You'll certainly be number two in the conference. You can probably bet on being closer to Kansas. And really, this is the game, the stretch of the games that is going to be most important if you're looking at Tech from a national contention standpoint, because Obviously, regardless of how the rest of the season ends up, you can say that this has been more or less a successful start to the season. Being ranked in the top 12 for the last couple of weeks has been impressive. You've been able to notch some really impressive wins. And I think regardless, you can look at Mark Adams' first season as a, as a success, just being able to build a culture here. But if you want more from this season, if you want to be a Final Four team, to be a top two or three seed, to compete for the Big 12 championship, these next two games are must-haves. And I think there's a couple of things that you can look at. For one, with Baylor, Jonathan Chamochachua is going to be out for this game and for the rest of the season. Brutal injury for him in the game against Texas, which they won. Really hope he's doing well. That was really gnarly to look at, and I certainly wish him all the best for JTT. But Baylor's been dealing with injuries. They've had Adam Feigler not at 100% lately. LJ Cryer's missed the last couple of games. I think he might be back for this game against Tech. We'll have to see kind of as the week progresses, how that news evolves. And then on tech side of things, you have to look at where Kevin McCullough's health is going to be, because obviously you've had guys banged up for a lot of the season. TJ Shannon missed almost a month with the back injury. You had McCullough himself dealing with an ankle sprain. You had Miley Wilson's foot injury, and it seemed like everyone was getting back healthy. Now McCullough's back out again. Hopefully it won't be too long, but if he misses these two games, you're going to need other guys to step up. And I think that's going to start with the guards. You've got Miley Wilson and Clarence Sadomli, who both thankfully have played key roles at different points in the season. I think both of them, in the absence of McCuller, would see a huge increase in minutes. Sadomli in particular, I think if you look back to the Kansas game where they were without both Shannon and McCuller, that was probably Clarence's best game of his career. And then again, in the first matchup against Baylor, he had a really nice night as well, and that was without Shannon. So Really, for Nadomi, it's all about just being able to stay consistent, not turn the ball over, continue to be a positive offensively and just do what he can because, you know, defensively, he's going to give you the intensity that few people around the country can, and that that can't be replaced. Malik Wilson's one of the best off-ball defenders in the country, in my opinion. And I think that I made a tweet earlier last week that 
he would have been in the national defensive player of the year conversation if it wasn't for the fact that he only got about 17 minutes a game. I still stand by that. If you look at his stats, he's had steals the last seven games, has a block percentage over 4%, a steal percentage over 4.5%. He's one of the best defensive players in the country. And if you want to debate that and even debate if he's not even the best defender on the roster, I understand because Tech has so many talented defenders. But if McCuller is down, you're going to need Wilson. Then you're going to need an Austin Arms and Davion Warren to play a crucial role. And I think that that's something that they can do. Both of them have been consistent scoring the ball throughout conference season. Obviously, Arms has had a few kind of lesser games, but he's also kind of steadying himself and become a consistent double-digit threat. I think Davion Warren's coming off probably his best stretch of the season outside of the first few buy-in games, just finding a consistent role with the team. He's not going to be that 15 to 17 points per game score, but if he can drive to the rim, I think he, that gives you something that you really don't have outside of a TJ Shannon with the rest of your guards and being able to both drive and score effectively at the rim. So for Warren, that's something that he can provide. So on the guard side of things, you have all of those guys. You've got Terrence Shannon really returning into form. The 20-point game on only nine shots was super impressive. I think him as a playmaker developing is something that I'm interested to see because we saw it a little bit early in the season. Then when he came back, he kind of struggled a little bit from that sense. But certainly that's still something that he's capable of providing to the team. And again, if McCuller is out, you're going to need Shannon because he's a guy that can replicate what McCuller does from a size standpoint. As a primary ball handler, I think that Shannon has the potential to play with that role. Obviously, I just mentioned that Nadolny and Wilson are going to have to take a step up. But I think you're going to see a lot of offense initiated around Shannon in the half court. And then beyond that, you've got the bigs. You've got Kevin O'Banner, who had his breakout game against Texas, but now dating back to that game, he's missed 11 straight threes. He's still only shooting about 27% from three in conference play, which is just remarkable to think about. I mean, I can't remember a shooting slump that was this bizarre, but for O'Banner, I think it's just about getting back into rhythm. He's still been pretty good defensively, although I will say I think TCU is probably one of his worst games of the season just because Defensively, they were exploiting him on switches and offensively just couldn't really find a rhythm. And Bryson Williams, kind of the opposite. He's been really consistent throughout conference play, making a good claim to be all Big 12 first team at a minimum. I don't think he's going to have much of a shot player of the year just because of what Abaji's done at Kansas, but still really solid for him. And then you've just got the depth pieces in general. You've got Daniel Baccio coming off the bench, not quite as much importance as he's had against West Virginia against TCU wasn't quite as strong, but still, I mean, having a presence, the pass he had to Santos Silva under the basket that led to the dunk from him, that was super impressive. And he continues to be such a good rim protector. And Santos Silva himself, I mean, when you have those four bigs and you can run two big lineups and not be exploited like that, that's going to be critical. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch the Baylor game because without JTT, they might end up doing more one big or even small ball type lineups. I think Maybe Tech has to run smaller lineups. Maybe they have to do a three-guard three guard wing and Bryson type of lineup. But we'll see how it all plays out. Certainly, maybe guys like Buzo get any sort of run. I mean, you know my stance on that. I'm pretty high on Buzo. I wish they would run more of him. But it is what it is. Tech is having a lot of success regardless. We'll see how it all plans out. But regardless, these next couple of games are going to be critical. You've got the game in Austin, which by all accounts, Texas is doing everything possible to make it as type of an environment as possible, going as far as limiting tickets for tech fans, which I think is really interesting and trying to get students to camp out, I guess. I think that 
it's going to be interesting to see how their turnout is, but I'm interested to see how it ends up on the court as well, because this is a Texas team that's been inconsistent, but it's a team that you can take. We'll have more on that later in the week, but the immediate concern is going to be the Baylor game. We'll have a full-blown preview on next couple episodes, I believe. So we're going to have that content. We'll dive into football, but certainly it's a good time to be a Red Raider fan. You look at the success of basketball, you look at the fact that football continues to pick up some nice recruits. And then you look at the baseball season getting ready to start. There's a lot going on. And man, it's been it's been a nice ride to have throughout the basketball season. And we're heading into the home stretch. We're heading into the most important stretch of the season for Tech. I cannot wait to watch. But for now, we'll both be back tomorrow. Ryan will be back as always. And if you want to continue following us in the meantime, you can follow me at Eraser41 on Twitter. You can follow Ryan at our Mainville LBK. You can follow the official Locked On Texas Tech Twitter account at Locked On TTU. And beyond that, subscribe to our, so, our feeds, leave a review. It's most, much appreciated. You can take a look at the YouTube channel, subscribe to that. We reached 100 followers before our most recent game, and we really appreciate that. Been trying to build that platform up. And while you're at it, again, follow our Twitter at LockedOnTTU. We're trying to get to 1,000 followers. That would be awesome. But, man, we really appreciate the support, and we're really appreciative that you make Locked On Texas Tech your first listen every day. So thanks for making us your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Locked On Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling, is free and available on all platforms. Thank you for joining us and we will see you tomorrow.